Testing, testing. It's on. One, two, one, two. Microphone checker. Microphone wrecker. Microphone picker, picker. <laughs> Alright, let's give this a shot. What is life? What does it mean to heal? I'm a human. Hello, hello? Anybody there? Why are we here? What does this mean? Let's figure it out together. That's fun. Just to come play. Play in the podverse. What are we doing? This is the Turning of the Bones podcast. This call is being recorded. Hello. Hi. Did you hear that this call is being recorded? (laughs) Yeah. I love the disclaimer. (laughs) Yeah, it's a little ominous. So make sure that there's consent for this conversation. You're consenting to be on the Turning of the Bones podcast. Absolutely. Uh, Consent is very important, so I appreciate that. Well, welcome, Allie. Uh, welcome to the Turning of the Bones podcast. It's so nice to have you here to talk about accountability. Um, Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Allie is a dear friend of mine, listeners, and a part of my Safe Others group that I've mentioned in uh, that you need if you're doing important healing work. Allie's also a badass parent a nurse, uh, just so many hats off to you for being a nurse through this pandemic, and also a life coach. Yeah. Maybe you could tell people what life coach means, because I don't think everybody has a working, you know, everyone has a different definition of that. What does that mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, Life coach to me means that, I am able to hold space for my client and really help them get a potentially different perspective on an issue or something happening in their life. Uh, Typically, folks um, know that something's not working, whether it's in relationship or within themselves or within a situation, and they don't necessarily know how to fix it. And it's you know, usually because we're so close to our own <laughs> issues. Um, and a life coach, in my perspective, just helps give a different perspective. I'm able to see them um, and, and kind of see the patterns and also with compassion um, help them get more acceptance and learn about themselves and shift that thinking if they want That makes total sense. I feel like you've been a friend and life coach to me. And so, yeah, <laughs> that makes a ton of sense. I, uh, yeah, having other people to reflect back to us is so important just because we get so myopic in our own view of ourselves, the world, and others that it's just like another tool in the toolkit to have therapeutic support, life coach support, friend support. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the thing that I love about life coaching and what what really drew me to it in the first place is I didn't realize that so many of the things that were causing me distress in my life 
were things that were typically like it was a lot of social conditioning. And so I was really hard on myself about um, body, my body issue is one of them. Um, and by body issue, I just mean like I had a really hard time accepting where I was at. And there was a lot of, you know, conditional, like future tense happiness. Like when I am able to fit into these pants, I will be happy when I am able to. Uh, <laughs> and what I realized is like, I can be happy just the way I am. And so a lot of that shifting is just so many folks are, are future, you know, future acceptance of themselves and really shifting that back to creating happiness or acceptance right now. And a lot of times, whatever they're going for, they might still want to have that goal and they might not. I no longer became, I was no longer obsessed with needing to lose any kind of weight once I realized that I could love my body just the way it was right now. And that was such a game changer for me. Oh, absolutely. I feel like one of the tasks of being born in a human body is learning to love ourselves. And learning I mean, to, <laughs> yeah. yes. <laughs> the ongoing dance of you know, introspection and self-reflection, uh, getting support around it. And yeah, just well, hats off to you for doing that work. That's amazing. And I think that that really segues nicely into like, into the topic of accountability and self-acceptance, right? Because there's so much self-acceptance inside of accountability, right? Like accepting that we're just kind of, mm-hmm. accepting that we're, Confused, afraid, messy, beautiful. Oh my gosh. Brilliant. Yes. That can kind of manifest any of those behaviors or emotions at any point in time. Absolutely. I mean, this, what you just said sort of <laughs> encapsulates sort of what I want to share about it. And what I will say is like, accountability to me is just such an intensely human experience. You know, we are amazing and awful uh, at the same time, (laughs) a lot of times. And um, like you said, this experience of like compassion and loving oneself while also recognizing that we do make mistakes and mistakes and failure is often how we learn and how we do better. And to have a process for that, not only within ourselves, but within community is a really, Mm -hmm. really beautiful concept to me. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, accountability has been a game changer. Um, and, you know, I, I think I I made a pretty common shift, especially for Westerners, of uh, all of the accountability I wanted in the world was other people to take accountability for so long. Like, you did this to me. Uh, mm. I was born, you know, my boss doesn't understand how brilliant I am person I went on a date with doesn't understand what a rad person I am, you know, all this uh, kind of uh, victim mentality, really just like wanting to blame some, wanting there to be a bad, a good guy and a bad guy. Yeah, it's so fascinating. I mean, when you talk about that, what the first thing that comes to mind is the way that, and again, I think, I think socialization has a lot to do with this, but we are often taught um, that validation and acceptance and love is all external 
And so why wouldn't we do that when we are wanting accountability? Oftentimes, uh, we do think that accountability comes from another person to then make us feel better. And that is, mm. you know, couldn't be farther from the truth. Accountability is about how we want to show up. Accountability is how we want to do better. And it's not about anyone else. It's about radical responsibility for ourselves. And that is like not easy because we're not really taught that anywhere. <laughs> Right. We kind of think that community and relationships just magically stay intact. You know, you were born in this family or I've been your friend for 10 years, but it's like it, it really takes work to be in that process of like learning how to take accountability for your own inner state. Right. Like um, I'm responsible for my feelings, my thoughts, you know, feeling may come up out of the blue or an emotion, but I'm responsible for how I tend that. Do I act out? Do I get quiet? And like taking accountability ultimately, like it's like, it's, it's for me and it's for my relationships and it's for other people. Cause I, I can stay in relationship if I'm able to take accountability. Oh, 100%. Um, you know, the part one of this podcast really, spoke to me in the way that you described, you know, accountability often being like how we stay in community with one another. And that part of it also draws into like how we are also constantly evolving and changing, which means like our needs and the things that we require from ourselves and community is going to, is going to shift and it's going to change. And, um, it, it requires that. Like you said, it's not just this magic like, oh, my gosh, I found my tribe and now, like, we're just going to be together forever. No, no, no. Uh, it is <laughs> <laughs> it's same with relationships, right? Like those, yeah, first, yeah. you know, oftentimes several months with, like, this magical, you know, hormonal storm of, like, amazingness. And then there's, there's conflict. And that's, you know, inevitable. And conflict is healthy. And how do you work that? how do you work through that and how do you come back together and how do you reconnect and how do you build trust through that conflict so that (laughs) it almost sets you up for the next conflict, which will inevitably happen because that's, we're humans and we are, if we don't have conflict and we don't have disagreements, you know, that's not a real relationship. That's the red flag, but how we work through that and how we, you know, the accountability process is such an integral piece of that of maintaining and building relationships i wrote down something that kind of spoke to me too in which um uh the accountability accountability is the ecosystem in which apologizing lives and i just love to think about a lot of things in terms of ecosystems because it's it's a balance right of so many different types of things that are coming together to create like a biome right and um accountability is that too just like relationships I really like that. Can you say that one more time? Yeah. Um, the ecosystem. Yeah. Accountability yeah. is the ecosystem in which apologizing lives. Mm. Yeah. I like that because accountability is so big, right? There's, you know, the, all the pieces of self-reflection and ownership of my thoughts, behaviors, and actions. And then there's, the actual work of 
getting vulnerable and doing that with another person or asking another person to take accountability. And I like that. I really like that that includes the biological aspect because accountability can be terrifying, right? Like apologizing it. Like, I think I mentioned this in the last podcast, it really ties to that root fear of separation. And when we feel that fear, we have a neurological and biological response where we get into the amygdala, we freak out a ton, we either, you know, fight, typically want to fight, you know, there's a whole somatic body reaction to being called in or called out or having a problematic behavior addressed. And it's like, I think so often, especially in the West, we think it's something we can think our way through when our bodies are actually terrified to do this because we're terrified of being kicked out of the group. Oh, my gosh. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's often where a lot of times, um, you know, our bodies do have a very deep visceral reaction to negative emotions. And like you said, it's oftentimes because there is, you know, our <laughs> our lizard brain is wired to be safe, for us to be safe. It's wired for us to, you know, have pleasure and for things to be easy. And so when we're confronted with accountability and maybe, you know, like you said, called in, called out, and there's conflict, that is definitely going to freak out the lizard brain because we don't want to be out in the cold alone. And, mm -hmm. You know, like when we talk about this evolutionary, you know, type of perspective of the emotions and the body reactions that are happening, we truly might feel like our lives are in danger. And that sometimes can be hard in the moment to recognize that, yes, body, I understand that you are afraid you're going to be kicked out of this cave and be cold and die on this mountain forever. <laughs> but, but a lot of times it's like, make, you know, real, make sure you're not in danger physically and, and recognize like, yes, I'm having an, emo I'm having a reaction to this because this feels scary. And that is because accountability really is this, this willingness to be humble it's a willingness to listen, and it's this willingness to look inward. And in order to do that, you have to be willing to, to kind of lay down those defense mechanisms that can create that fight or flight. But in the moment, that can be really hard. Oh, ab absolutely. It's terrifying. You think, I mean, I'd be really interested to hear your perspective or, you know, how how you – move from the physical and biological response of fear in the lizard brain when, you know, say somebody at work holds you accountable or a partner. So you have the somatic response. How do you get from that to being able to get back into your frontal lobe? Like, how do you notice it in your body? You know, like what, if I had yeah. no clue how to coach me through that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think the first thing is, is just really spending time getting to know the sensations in your body. And so ideally, you don't want to start practicing, practicing this <laughs> uh, in the middle of an accountability conversation because you're going to be scared shitless. But for me, right. what it really looked like was slowing down and noticing how I felt mostly when I was safe because that was the easiest thing mm. trying to um, create safety 
without knowing what safety feels like when I'm in a stressful situation or my body's activated, basically impossible. So really the practice starts with like creating a container in which knowing, you know, and, and this looks different for everyone of, of knowing what feels, what is safe, um, what is calm, what is grounded, what is, you know, what creates, you know, confidence and this ideal situation for oneself to just flourish, right? And so that's sort of where it started for me. And then mm. that also ties into this concept of the window of tolerance of when I know that I'm in that that window of tolerance, which is just my body is not hyperactivated and my body is not hypoactivated. I'm kind of in that sweet spot. Then I was kind of able to intentionally figure out how my body felt when I was mad or how my body felt when I was feeling stress. And, mm. you know, <laughs> a lot of this actually took place and really getting to know my body feeling these ways um, at the beginning and throughout the pandemic, because this was also when I was starting to just notice that this body, this trauma that I was feeling in my body, this, this fear, I, and there was so much, um, you know, just isolation and downtime. I did not have the distractions to move away from mm -hmm. the discomfort. All I could do was figure out how to get to know what was going on because not only was, you know, in this, in the midst of the pandemic, was I trying to create safety for myself and also work through the fear, but also with my kids that I suddenly had at home. And so it felt really important to, mm. to get to know myself in this way. And so does that answer your question of how does, oh, okay. So you kind of asked, how does one do that? Right. So when we're feeling upset or we're feeling, you know, <laughs> um, attacked maybe, or like, you know, not, um, not grounded, we cannot really move through in that accountability process. I think that's the number one thing. And I, it, and I think this kind of applies to everything. Getting safe mm. in your body is the number one thing. You cannot make progress in really much of anything if you don't feel safe. And so this is where it's like really a beautiful practice to learn that it is safe to slow down and it is okay mm. to take a break, whether that's in a project whether that's at work, a, a conflict with a partner, a conversation with kids, like taking a break is okay and a lot of times necessary because once we're grounded and we recognize that we're safe and kind of able to see maybe the behaviors that happened or, or where we, you know, where the accountability might need to come in, we can't do that if we're, if we're worried about, you know, safety or losing a relationship. But we usually can do it when we're grounded and feeling a lot safer. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I, I love that you start that with first understanding what safety feels like. You know, it's, I think for, in my experience, you know, I was so, you said, I think hypo and hyper activated. So like I was either like mm -hmm. completely not in touch with my body or how things are going. I'm just doing tasks. And I think our society really exacerbates that and social media or I could be totally disassociated or hypo and like shut down and not really know it. And those it kind of bounce back and forth between those two extremes. And I, I love the way that you frame like getting to know what safety feels like, like what, what does chill feel like in my body? <laughs> like what does, what do I feel like when I'm getting in yeah. uh, an uneventful day and I'm reading my favorite book and, 
I'm cuddling with my dog, like knowing, okay, so there, there's symptoms of feeling chill. You know, my breath is deeper. My heart rate is slower. I, my body temperature isn't too high or too low. Um, I think that's so important. And it Your also, shoulders are probably relaxed, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like I always, one that I always do to see how I'm doing is I just, and this, I learned this with yoga is like, what's my jaw doing? You know, like holding so mm, much tension mm-hmm. in my jaw and just realizing that I don't always know it when my body's stressed. Like, you know, there's so many things going on. There's so much stimulus in this world. I can't, I haven't reached a point in meditation where I'm continuously aware of my inner temperature, but there are places you can check in to get get, get a reading. And I really liked that it starts there, you know, because I feel like one thing that I keep coming back to with this is like, you mentioned change and change is a natural, it's just a natural law. Things are always changing. Molecules, our emotional states, our needs, our wants, and accepting that change is not only inevitable, but necessary for life to keep functioning. Like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. inside of that I'm always changing and if I can accept that if I can accept that then I can I can kind of start to tap into these different states in my body you know I'm not always going to absolutely yeah well and what you kind of made me think of is Change change can be hard. Change is hard for all of us, right? Because I think in, my, in our mind, we have this idea that we want things to stay just the way they are forever. And I think, you know, that is completely understandable. And yet, like, we are different than who we were even two days ago. And I have a funny example of this that really spoke to me in my own life. Um, my partner and I just had our one-year anniversary. And Coming up to that, I was I was having some anxiety because in my head I had this I had this thought and I could not I could not get out of I just kept circling around it and the thought was um, we we are not what we our relationship is not what it used to be and mm. I kept like it just felt so weird because I was like what am I you know I think it was coming from a scarcity mindset kind of and and some anxiety of like what what is what is this about. And then mm. I realized, um, well, I, because what I often do, and this is kind of a coaching thing as well that I do with my clients, is we kind of look at like a thought that is continuing to happen and causing some distress. And oftentimes they're not helpful. They're very limiting. And I just kind of explored that. And then I realized like, well, uh, something that feels way better to think about is that our relationship is evolving. And as soon as I, as I sort of shifted that perspective of we have an evol- our relationship is evolving, I was like, well, our relationship isn't even what it was two weeks ago, let alone a year ago. And right. if our relationship was the same as a year ago, we would be ha- like, there would be problems because that's just like the very early dating stage. And if that's where we were still at, like, <laughs> that would be very indicative of where it was going, which is probably not really anywhere at all. <laughs> and so I was like, you know brains really want that we want stability and we want consistency and yet we think that that means no change at all 
But like you said, this is an ever-changing world we were living in. Everything is changing all the time. And it can be a lot, to, it can be a lot and it can be overwhelming sometimes. Absolutely. And I think that's that change, right? Like thinking about the fear I probably felt years and years ago before I started practicing accountability that the change to be accountable felt so big, right? It's like, I think an analogy I heard when I was getting ready for this conversation was like Alcoholics Anonymous, right? Like the idea of going from drinking every day or being an addict of any kind and then, oh, now I have to change in my whole life. I'm never going to have this thing again. Like your brain is like it, anybody with faced with that, whether it's accountability, whether it's addiction, it kind of makes us freeze and go into like the amygdala and our animals, you know, the lizard center. And it's like, mm -hmm. oh, I can't do that. The beauty of this thing that I listened to was that accountability can be a lot like an addiction recovery program where it's just one day at a time. Like it's by a small degree that you make these larger changes and like thinking about the big picture can be overwhelming, understandably, but breaking it down into like, how can I be accountable today? To myself, I love that to my so much. Yes. I love that so much. I think, um, oftentimes we look at things in such a big picture that it becomes extremely overwhelming and we really can't stick to much of anything that we set our mind to because we're looking at it like this humongous uh, thing to overcome within one day. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's, that's not what it's about. It's about, I love how you said accountability, the practice of accountability. That to me speaks to it so much of it mm -hmm. is a practice. It is one day at a time. It is one conversation at a time. It is one like, one thing at a time. And <laughs> the other day I was writing a post um, that it spoke to me about this and it was really just um, talking about how small, small changes lead to big wins. And I think that's kind mm -hmm. of, you know, it's kind of a corny little statement as I'm saying it, but it really is the same where it's like, if we try to change everything or even multiple things in our life all at once, like that's extremely disruptive and can be, you know, we're going to go back to what we know. We're going to go back to the comfort of maybe some just types of dysfunctions or unhealthy patterns. But if we just look at, like you said, small shifts and just sticking to those little by little, that is what leads to these bigger changes, especially when we're talking about transformative, like accountability work. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. I think it's so easy to kind of go all or none with these things. Like I'm going to lose all the weight and I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden you kind of like backslide and it feels like, well, shit, I should have never tried, you know, <laughs> like, but picking one small thing you can do every day <laughs> and just kind of, you know, like admitting your own humanity, it, it sets us up for success. You know, I, I think about that in terms of teaching and my experience in the schools. It's like when a student, I'd watch students, you know, feel like they needed to do really well in the SAT while they're, you know, failing English or something. And it's like, well, how am I going to do well in the SAT if I'm failing English? I may as well just skip class. It's like, of course, that's like our natural response. I've done that. 
think everyone's done that when they, you know, somebody asked them to to do something that's out of their, their skill set. And I think accountability is really no different. You know, I, I'm super guilty now that I've practiced accountability for a while when somebody can't do it. I'm like, what's wrong? What's why, why can't you just take accountability? And I'm like, I have to remember, like, it's by a small degree <laughs> that we, you know, we don't wake up like, I read an article about the importance of accountability and all of a sudden I've changed all of my behaviors and my internal thought patterns, you know, like there's so much hard wiring there about how we see ourselves in the world and other and so many stories to deconstruct that like, you know, just picking one, you know, like, and, and practicing it there, you know, you don't have to do it everywhere. Excuse me. Absolutely. Um, when you were talking about the uh, sort of how we, it's like we set ourselves up for failure a lot of times where it's like we, we have all these goals and we set our, we set the bar so high, like higher than most people can, you know, really achieve. And then it's like, we don't, it's like, then we're shitty to ourselves because we don't, you know, we're not giving ourselves even a chance. And to me, it just kind of speaks to, um, this this pattern that I've seen really in myself and, and in a lot of different uh, people as well of this, this perfectionism mindset. And a lot mm-hmm. of times it's like, I have to do it perfectly or not at all. And it like really is this black or white thinking that's like, uh, I need to, um, you know, clean the whole house and learn a different language and also make sure my kids are amazing and make sure I'm amazing and do all these things or else like I'm completely <laughs> unlovable. And it's like, you know, setting ourselves up for such failure. And for me personally, like recognizing the, the perfectionism that, that was within me was, well, really it's been something I've been unlearning and deconstructing for several years and really releasing perfectionism has led to this willingness to be a human and to be a human and make it and not make it mean that I was unlovable if I made a mistake. And that was like a huge shift in my world because first of all, I didn't really, really understand even what like perfectionism was. I was like, I don't really like have a need for things to like look a a certain way or, you know, it wasn't perfectionism like that, but it was like, I have to get this right or I will lose my family. I have to get this right or I will be Mm -hmm. a terrible mom. I have to get this thing right or I will be a terrible wife. And like realizing that I was um, these stakes that I created for myself and these situations that I created for myself in terms of this perfectionism was really leading to, oh my God, just such unhappiness that I wasn't even aware of. Um, And, you know, sort of this process looked like really having the awareness of of the external need for worth and and lovability and realizing that like the perfectionism and being you know, validated by other people created then, like, for me, I was like, okay, I'm worthy. Like, I'm helping or I'm doing this thing and I'm, like, doing a good job. And I was getting, you know, validation. And if I didn't get validation, then that meant, like, well, something was wrong with me or I was wrong. Um, but, like, truly starting to uncouple those things and getting curious with it was this this whole <laughs> process and exploration, this willingness to be curious, like, why – Number one, why do I depend on others for these things? 
why do I, you know, why am I believing that I'm unlovable unless I hear something from someone? And then it doesn't even matter. I still felt that way. That was really a deep, you know, unworthiness, I think. Um, and what I kind of realized is it was a combination of three things. It was family of origin. So kind of where I grew up, where and how I grew up, the type of patterns and dysfunctional sort of, and some functional, um, you know, mm -hmm. methods that were in my family. It was socialization, you know, kind of growing up as a, um, you know, a cis woman in a, you know, middle-class neighborhood and just sort of, you know, misogyny that seemed to be about a, was really, you know, did not realize how much that had, the patriarchy had really impacted me in these ways. And then mm -hmm. also developmental trauma and really seeing like those three different, those three different um, things really kind of stood out to me as these, these reasons for why there was such perfectionism, why there were such high stakes, why I was putting myself in, um, you know, giving myself these extremely high standards that I would not ever give anyone that I cared about. And yet I was doing right. it to myself on a regular basis. And it was really began this journey then of, of self-understanding, you know, why and, and learning self-compassion and self-forgiveness, which is then where allowing myself to be a human meant I was allowing myself to make mistakes and then learning the accountability process. Yeah, really. <clears throat> wow. There's just, there was just, there's just so much there. I'm just in awe of everything you just shared. The perfectionism, I think, <laughs> is such a huge piece. Like the, I just can't even mm. you know, for me, the way that the perfectionism manifested was, if I learn how to do everything right, right? If I learn therapeutic modalities, if I learn nonviolent communication, if I learn how to take accountability, if I learn how to speak directly, if I learn my needs, if I learn my emotions, then I will never make a mistake. If I just get yes. all of this, you know, like <laughs> I realized maybe mm -hmm. a year ago, holy shit, everything you've learned, you've turned inwards is like some subtle form of self-hatred and fear around being in relationship with others, which means being messy, which means not being perfect. You know, if I just, mm -hmm. if I, mm -hmm. I think, thing I say is PC and mm -hmm. I deconstruct biases and I, then I'll never mess up, which is a completely unreasonable expectation that I wouldn't have for anybody else. But, you know, it was really cool to do that for myself. And then the other thing you said that I think is really profound is about like developmental trauma, you know, like I think so many of us continue to see the world through a child's eyes and re don't realize it. You know, we're adults walking around in adult meat suits and these like things that look, these costumes that look like adults, right? We pay our rent, we have a job, but yeah. fundamentally so much of what we're doing is still kind of coming from that 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 child's view of the world which is like <clears throat> I'm causing these things I'm I'm the source of this so I must be there must be something wrong with me and I think that can be such a huge barrier to admitting that you're wrong or admitting that you hurt somebody you know and there's so much 
you know, protection, egoic protection that then happens, right? Like, well, I didn't mean it. That wasn't my intention. You mis you misunderstood me, you know, and kind of that, that messiness that can happen when we point out somebody's problematic or, you know, hurtful behavior, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I could... I could share a whole lot about, about, you know, developmental trauma and the impact that it does have, I think, as, as adults for us with accountability. But I think you, you hit it, you know, right, right spot on when you describe, like, we are, we are adults that are oftentimes, you know, we have not, like, our brains don't realize when we are in certain stressful situations that, that we're adults that have, like, autonomy and agency and freedom and choice. And so a lot of times, we are right back in a situation that can be, you know, again, our, our physical body is this adult meat suit, and yet our brain thinks we're back in a really scary situation where we have no, you know, we have no, no, right? Like we could be frozen. We could be in a fight situation. It could be whatever your body is, is your brain is, however your nervous system is responding. And, you know, I think getting, for me, getting clear on, like, what is the, where are the stories that I have, um, you know, that are, that are linked to some of this developmental trauma, and where, you know, where does my mind and my body go when I might, you know, be in a situation where accountability needs to happen, and really starting to just gain more awareness of that, because for me, like, the perfectionism was so much a result of how to, you know, create this, this, safety and it was really just like safety through like controlling a bunch of situations or this obviously like we can't there's so little that we can control but I think as kids it's like well okay if I can just take care of this thing and I can be in charge of this and I can be like the little you know the adult in the family like then nothing bad will happen and so mm -hmm. like seeing how these situations you know how we internalize them and then we grow up with them it really speaks to why accountability can be so challenging and it's because, number one, maybe we weren't ever taught it. It was never modeled for us as a kid. But also we're still, like, our nervous systems are still very young in the sense of if you don't grow past that trauma and you don't realize how it's impacted you, a lot of times, like, the emotional body can still be very young compared to the physical body, which is much older, you know? Absolutely. I think, yeah, so much of for me, so much of taking accountability was kind of doing an inventory about <clears throat> what I learned about apologies. You know, I, I've had partners in the past where it was like accountability was challenging for both of us because it was kind of like, well, I said, sorry, now you have to say, sorry. You know, it was like, I, you know, taught that it like there's a, a transactional aspect to accountability. Like, um, <clears throat> Which can be true, you know, depending on the circumstances of the conversation about an amends or an apology. But I think really looking at how we were conditioned, like what were we taught, what was modeled for us about accountability, right? Because it's not yeah. happening in society, right? You know, we're not seeing good examples of, you know, a full cycle of accountability, whether it's like in racial justice or like harvey weinstein or joe rogan or any of these people who have like these big figures who mm -hmm. have been or you know held accountable for their speech or their behaviors and so it's really on us to kind of unpack 
what our parents taught us. Which I think is like oh, it's so you know, yeah. Keep yeah, keep going. I think we're at this really interesting time and I'd really be interested to hear mm-hmm. as a and someone with this awareness and this time and space, you know, like this, our generation, I think, has a little bit more space than previous generations, you know, because of ancestral trauma, you know, whether it's the oppression or racial trauma or class trauma or World War Two, you know, there's, we have a little bit more space to unpack this. So we're raising kids differently. You know, I noticed this in my students. And so like, as a parent, I'm really curious, like, how do you how do you work through this with your kids? Like how, yeah, like how that's are you, a good question. You, so, so much to share around that. <laughs> I mean, what a ripe what playground was your question? for <laughs> having mm. children. Oh, it is. God, it's so amazing and beautiful. So, oh, a lot to say around this. Um, so uh, I'm trying to think of where to start. There's so much there. So like I had shared a little bit ago, you know, I had, I had sort of started to gain awareness around like where that perfectionism was coming from. And I think that um, as a parent, like the perfectionism is uh, being a parent is just, it's so such a, like you said, a playground for learning, but also for feeling a lot of really negative, uh, a lot of really negative and hard emotions. Um, And one thing that, that was sort of as, as they were growing up and, and have been growing and, and for me also growing at the same time, I realized that, you know, even though there is this, this self-compassion and this um, acceptance and this self-forgiveness that's so important to have around how hard I was on myself, despite those things, how I behave is still up to me. It is, mm-hmm. my, it is my responsibility. My behavior is completely up to me. And this was something that, and this is something that I have taken as far as like how I parent my children of, you know, agency and autonomy and then like having radical accountability for themselves is a huge value of mine. And mm. when, when I realized that I can't be, I can't be, I can't show up as the parent that I want to be if I'm trying to be perfect. Because the last thing that I wanted to do was pass that on, that that type of um, really just the self-loathing is really what it comes down to, to my kids. I, I, I was like, I'm absolutely unwilling and I will do anything that I can to create more love and acceptance and care for these children so that they don't have to, as they're adults, you know, they, of course, they're going to have their own issues that they have to deal with because each of us do no matter what. But those, that seems like such an important piece as a, for a parent that I think I was missing as far as like what accountability is and what does it look like to, to model this for your kids. And so when I, again, like un, you know, taking perfectionism to the curb then looked like, okay, how do I want to behave? And so it was really just this process of this willingness to be a messy human this willingness to also model for them. If I did something that was upsetting to them or hurt their feelings, owning it, Mm. reflecting on it, apologizing to them and asking, you know, like, how can I make this better? And then following up and having integrity with that. And um, I, 
I look back on, so I was, I was 20 when I found out that I was pregnant with my oldest and I was, it was two weeks before I was 21 that I gave birth to him. And I was, you know, I thought I was such a grown up. It's so funny to look back, you know, <laughs> my grandma said, babies having babies is what she said. And I was just like, I am a grown ass woman, but like I was, I was a baby, you know, because geez, we're, <laughs> but I, that I was, I knew that I could step up to the plate. I knew that I could rise to the occasion, even though, you know, I had been through some, some really hard things already in my life, but I knew that I was, that I could, I knew like that being a parent and being a mother was like something that was like met for me. And the biggest thing that I have learned is that when I know better, I have done better. And it has been this continual evolution of modeling this for them that has made it, ugh, it's just been such an amazing like relationship that we have built because I have, I value like being accountable to my kids. I value when they tell me that something that happened, whether it's like I'm late to picking them up or I don't follow through on something that I like had said I was going to do or, you know, I raised my voice and they are able to feel safe enough to say, you know, hey, mom, I'm feeling upset by this thing that happened. And I'm able to listen and I'm able to reflect on the harm or the hurt that was caused. I'm able to apologize and then do better. Like what better way, what better, what better gift can I give my children other than modeling mm -hmm. that it is okay to make mistakes, that it doesn't change the love and that it's okay to, number one, verbalize the hurt, but that it's also okay to fuck up sometimes because it's going to happen. I tell this to them all the time. Sometimes I suck, and that's okay. The last thing that I am ever willing to do is to be, like, on a pedestal compared to my kids because my kids have taught me more <laughs> about who I am and who I want to be than anyone else in this world. And so to, to ever, like, have this facade that I am like the all knowing is just so harmful that I would never ever do. And this is such a magical part of parenting is like this willingness to learn and to grow from them and to have this mutual reciprocation of like how we're teaching one another and how we're growing. To me, this is like, oh, I'm just so excited to like have these ongoing relationships with them because I've always treated them as full, like, full like humans. And I think that a lot of times people get this wrong. They, not always, but I do think that, that sometimes it's like, well, they are just a kid. They don't know. And, and really just diminishing a child's spirit. And there is just, that is so damaging. Like, no. <laughs> yeah. It's like one of those yes. ands. like, yes, they're a kid. They don't know that fire will burn them. But, like, how do you teach them, you know? And, like, I just hear so much personal accountability in what you just shared, you know? Like, when I know better, I do better, right? And so you don't – it's like limiting your time, the times where you experience cognitive dissonance in relationship, right? Like, so cognitive dissonance, as I'm sure you know, is, like, when you're doing something that you know is – out of alignment with your beliefs or values, right? Like I know that smoking cigarettes is bad and I've seen my grandparents die of cancer and then I would go have a cigarette 
and be like, ah, oh, whatever, and then I'd feel like a piece of shit about myself. So you like limit that cognitive dissonance in relationship to other people by trying to show up to match your values. And I just hear like, you know, <clears throat> it's so beautiful, like granting children their autonomy, I think is, it's a radically new way of parenting, which I think, you know, so much, so many of the wounds I know that I carry were, were because it was like, no, I'm just telling you what to do. Or it's do like as I say, like, not as I do. Yeah, yeah. And like, um, <clears throat> it's like if, if you want to have a continued relationship with your children to be in relationship with them, how you're describing, you know, I'm messy. I'll make mistakes. I'll reflect. I'll apologize. And I'll change my behavior based on your feedback to make this right. Like that's how, that's how accountability can change us, right? Like in a beautiful way, it can transform us versus like having a parent that is like your warden and you can't wait to get out when you're 18, right? And yeah, I don't know. Absolutely. So much, I mean, my brain just always goes to like this whole uh, just a misconstrued thing about like the, in the Bible and especially here in the West, right? Like, you know, your parent, the you honor thy father and mother. It's like, yeah. And sometimes you're like, what? Like, you're not God. You're not like, in, exactly. you know, <laughs> not just like infallible. Like you're, you're a person like me. So like, why are you making, I don't know, just this whole, I could go on a million rants about that. Just this whole kind of like, dehumanizing of the relationship between between adults and children. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's really important to distinguish too, you know, like kids, um, like the relationship between parent and children is one that it does need boundaries and it does need like, you know, clear consequences and clear expectations. I think that's, you know, that's really important to me, but it doesn't mean that you, you know, listen to me, uh, under all circumstances, and there is no conversation. It doesn't mean um, if I make a mistake, you know, I'm not accountable, but if you do the same thing, then, like, you have extreme consequences. And to me, this is where the childhood was so confusing because there was a lot of hypocrisy and sort of double standards that I noticed growing up. And it really right. upset me, and it really, it really bugged me, and it also just seemed so weird and wrong. And so for me, like – and this also kind of ties back to something that you had mentioned in your, in this part, one of this uh, conversation of accountability is taking accountability and apologizing is a sign of strength. And we have gotten, we have really moved in this weird direction and it, it needs to kind of, the pendulum needs to come the other way of like emotions and apologizing and accountability is a sign of strength. Vulnerability is a sign of strength. Wherever like we got off track to thinking that those things were, were weakness I just want to throw that out the window. And like, that is really, again, like what I teach my kids is like emotions are a human thing. And I have done like, I've worked so hard to raise my kids in a very like gender neutral type of atmosphere so that colors don't have a gender and clothing doesn't have a gender. And, you know, emotions don't have a gender like that's really toxic. It can really mess kids up uh, and adults up and it creates a situation where there's so much, Again, unlearning that has to happen when they realize, like, whoa, my childhood was full of shit because my parent was, like, not willing to, you know, 
look at different ways of being or, and you know, so much of this too is like, I want to have compassion and understanding for the things that our parents go through or grandparents, like I definitely, you know, understand we have, there's definitely been generational shifts and evolutions. But again, that's where it comes down to for me is like when I have known better and I see that I have done something wrong or I see a better way to parent or to be or to behave or that I caused harm, that is where then I do better, right? It's not like this, again, this situation that we need to be in of no mistakes allowed. It's yes, mistakes will happen. That doesn't have anything to do with your lovability or your worthiness of, of care from people. How do you work through that with someone? How do you work past it and grow from that experience? And it, I'm going to go on another tangent here. <laughs> it Please kind of tangent. makes me think again of, um, <laughs> it makes me think of, um, oh man, I don't want to lose it. I got it. I want to get back to this because it was a really good gem. Um, this, this whole notion of accountability is us wanting to change. And you kind of have touched on this a couple times of like accountability is sometimes like, I want them to be accountable. I want them to own up to their behavior. And we have to like, remember, this is about us and how we want to behave and also how we want to change. And so like sometimes with my kids, for instance, there might be a conversation that we have where they might want me to do something different and I might not. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of an example. It could be like, <laughs> I want you to get more like junk food at the store or something. Well, I can be accountable for the fact that I, you know, I didn't get the snacks that they wanted. I'm very sorry. I didn't hear you on your request. Uh, I'm still not necessarily going to change that behavior of like, we have the majority of healthy food here. And yes, we have a balance of like fun foods and healthy foods. So a lot of times, like, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to change. We have to do the thing that the other person wants us to do. But a lot of times, if we do want to change, that has to be from within us. It cannot be for the other person. Just like we cannot expect someone else to change and that make us feel better, right? Like that, again, comes back to that radical responsibility that we have to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because no one wants to feel like they're being held hostage when they're being held accountable. Like they, you don't, you don't want to feel like you don't want to feel trapped by. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and I think that this can be really tricky. I know it was for me because when I was still learning what this was about and really what it was about, I oftentimes like because of my different like coping mechanisms would do things to make other people happy. Because for me, it's like, well, if they're happy, then they're going to love me, which means I'm going to be cared for, which means I'm safe. And recognizing that, like, sometimes the way that I was doing that, it wasn't always authentic. And that was a really hard thing to come to terms with. That, like, mm -hmm. the ways that I was trying to create safety in my world were from sometimes not completely authentic places. And so the decisions that I was making was based more on how to create, you know, safety from a people-pleasing place rather than safety from an internal trust place. And that is like, I could go into, <laughs> I could go, that could be a whole podcast of its own of like, you know, it cannot come from the place of people-pleasing or wanting, you know, safety from someone else. This is about, this is an inside job. Absolutely. Cause then you run, run the risk. At least I, I've experienced this, right? Like of taking accountability for too much. You know, like, yes, absolutely. With, 
with childhood trauma, right? Like this, the way the family was is my fault. So like everything must be my fault. And so in every relationship, I'll, I'll find myself, you know, mirroring that and reliving this kind of like, well, if I just, if I take accountability for everything, then I can be in control and it can really get out of balance until, right, like you mentioned, boundaries, until I learn the internal boundaries of what is and isn't mine. Like with the junk food example, right? Like you can take accountability for having a boundary around health, <laughs> like without changing your behavior. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know, which is reasonable. Exactly. And, and then have conversations about disappointment and autonomy and like, yes, if you want a bag of Cheetos, please start a lawn mowing business and buy your Cheetos. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And that's just kind of a silly example, but, you know, it kind of, yeah, it leads to this bigger thing of, like, you know, sometimes we might make a request of someone, and they don't, they don't owe us, they don't owe us that, right? Because, again, like, this is an internal thing, and, if, and that can be really, that can be really challenging, and it can be kind of, it's kind of sticky, you know? It's kind of like, well, we're where does where do I begin and end and where do you begin and end and like what do I owe other people and especially because you know I think it can get tricky because accountability is an internal process and yet it is with other people and so like how does that come into play right and it's like you said this is a consensual activity this is people wanting to you know someone to be accountable to the other person for their feelings and yet not making sure that I'm staying within my integrity of my personhood while also owning up to how I hurt someone. Um, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a little complicated and yet so simple at the same time. You know, there's a lot of paradoxes, I think, within this conversation. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think those paradoxes, like that's the task of growing up and growing into an adult human with basic sanity is that like you can kind of hold those paradoxes, right? Like it may be counterintuitive that taking accountability and it may feel like it's limiting your freedom, but ultimately it gives you more freedom. Like the more you can take accountability for your behaviors and actions, the more freedom you have from external stimuli, whether it's your kids or, you know, somebody on the street or like driving in your car, right? Like if, if I can take accountability for my response, if somebody road rages at me, then I have freedom versus if they yell at me and I yell back, I really, I don't have much freedom there. Yeah. And, and yelling like you need to take accountability for what you did. It's like, you, you cut know. me off. <laughs> you're, you're, you're late. I didn't set your alarm this morning. You set your alarm. Grow up. And it's like, wait, I don't have any freedom if my response is dictated by your behavior. You know, if I'm not doing some level of personal accountability, right, which is you keep touching back on this. And I think this is just the, the huge gem of these conversations about accountability. It's, it's really me being accountable to me. You know, I'm accountable to myself because if I yell back, then I feel like shit for the next hour. And so that's not cool. I'm slinging more mud. Yes. 
Exactly. And, <laughs> and I think that that is such an important piece of it, right? Is like the power and how we respond. Mm, I love it. Yeah. And like knowing, yeah. Am I constantly feeling unsafe? Well, if I'm constantly, I mean, when you said that earlier in the conversation about knowing what safety feels like, I just felt all of this compassion for people, you know, for previous versions of myself that couldn't take accountability for other people who can't take accountability because I'm like, holy shit, like if you don't ever feel safe, how would you ever take accountability for anything? You know, and so, you know, I think it's real easy to like, for me, you know, like to finger wag or to get on some clickbait on the internet and be like, you're a bad person. But it's like, you know, <laughs> someone's accountability, like how unsafe must they feel to completely avoid that process? Oh, you know, like, yeah. I mean, when you think about the compassion piece, like, and, and other people, it's, it can be really hard. It's not it's not easy, especially when we sometimes see behavior that is, you know, so outrageous or or just so not how we would do it. And then bringing it back to like, well, I get to choose if I want to be around that person or I get to choose if that's, you know, what I want to look at. And I get to choose if, you know, there's there's a lot of like agency that we have. And like, well, how will I, how do I respond to this? And yeah, I have a lot of compassion for past versions of myself, too, because, again, like, I didn't realize that safety was, was something that I could create within myself. So if I was always wanting everyone else to be accountable so that then I could feel safe, you know, to me, it made total sense. It's like, well, if they wouldn't do the thing, I wouldn't have to be unsafe. Uh, I don't understand what's so hard about this. And realizing I had it, I had it completely, completely backwards. And I love, you know, Colby, one thing I love about you is you and I often just have a lot of similarities with this. You mentioned, like, there's the gem within this, and that's exactly what I wrote, and I want to share this. I said, here's the gem. If I'm okay. radically responsible for my behavior and myself, then I can create safety in my body and mind, and that I will have my own back and be nice to myself no matter what. And knowing this and having this piece that I will have my back no matter what means that I can take accountability so much easier for myself because I know mm -hmm. that I've got me no matter what. And that's a gift. That's an absolute gift. I can't think of a, a bigger gift than <clears throat> getting to a place inside myself where and it's not 100% of the time, like, but knowing that I can fuck up and knowing not only that I have, but I will continue to, and that's, it, it's not a, it's not a, a inherent trait of my character. It's not like a fixed point in the timeline continuum of who I am. It's just something I'm capable of, like that is, Just not just taking that pressure off of myself internally. Just like, oh yeah, I'm gonna misspeak yes. a couple times a day, and if I yes. have, if I have people around me that I trust and who are you know safe and capable to give good feedback, um, and not assassinate my character, then yeah, we can keep moving on in this relationship. And like, what a beautiful thing to 
to have arrived at something close to self-acceptance. And it's a practice, right? Like all of this stuff is just practice and trying and seeing how it goes. And like one thing that I have been, I heard this on a, on a podcast. I think it was one of my life coach like mentors and she basically just said, if I'm going to show up as the biggest version of myself, which I want to do, I am going to suck sometimes. Like I am going to make a mistake and being willing to like live big and unapologetically and live like in a liberated body. It means that I might make a mistake and like just already knowing, you know, like already knowing that I'm going to, be there for the accountability process because I'm inevitably going to hurt someone's feelings. And it doesn't mean that I'm like unlovable or I don't deserve to live or anything like that. It just means I made a mistake and just leaving it as simple as that. And I think this is where like the concept of cancel culture can be so scary. It's like there's no room for mistakes in this, in this culture that we have of, of canceling people for a mistake. And like you said, it doesn't give the opportunity to see the accountability process through, if we just cut someone off as soon as they make a mistake, you know, we're not giving them, you know, even the opportunity to grow or to do better. And like, how are we, if that's what we're doing to other people, it just makes me wonder, like, how are people treating themselves if if that's how they're treating others? And to me, that's like very, very concerning and sad, very sad. Yeah, it's it's just that internal terror of, being imperfect, right? I think, you know, the hypervigilance mm-hmm. or the constant being, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's one thing to make one mistake and be canceled. It's another thing to continue and repetitively get feedback about the same behavior and its impact and make no change. You know, at some point, you know, if, if someone continues and has a history of not changing, then yeah, like, you know, make the choice to of course create some distance between you and them because they're not demonstrating that really crucial piece, which is a willingness to reflect and change. You know, and I know for me the Yeah. The double edged sword of it is right, like balancing the self the shame or the feeling like there's something wrong with me with admitting yeah, that part that that part of me that either I learned from society or my parents that's problematic and I, I i can look at that i can look at the way i view myself the narratives that you talked about the stories and the scripts that i'm running around that and then i can kind of like start to deconstruct it and make new choices and i think that's such a huge piece yeah, absolutely. That, uh, it, mm. it takes a willingness you know accountability takes a willingness from two people, you know, it takes a willingness to be patient with someone while they change, right? Because that doesn't happen overnight. It takes a willingness to like observe small incremental behavior. And, you know, I I think I, I'm lucky having been a high school teacher, you know, like no one's going to change overnight. I've watched human beings change for years and years between 14 and 18 and just seeing, as long as you're not holding to anybody to too high a standard, right? Like, well, you, you made a mistake, and you said you'd change, and then you made the same mistake two weeks later. It's like we're always going to 
in any level of growth, we're going to take two steps forward, one step back. And being patient in relationship for some things to take a while, I think is a huge, huge component to accountability as far as the person that was like asking for amends. Oh, absolutely. I think like you said, like it's, this is, this is tough work, especially, you know, wanting to change regardless if it's like, it doesn't matter, you know, if you're wanting to shift your, the way that you communicate or no longer be, you know, gosh, I mean, it can just be anything of like wanting to take on more, you know, anti-racist type of principles in your life and knowing that there's going to be mistakes in that and, or be a better parent or quit, you know, you gave an example earlier of quitting a substance, like, there are going to be the two steps back and the one step forward. And that's kind of the case with learning anything. You know, I know for me, like starting my life coaching business has been a a big source of like two steps forward, one step back, because I'm learning a lot of things. I'm making mistakes. I'm also remembering through this whole process that a mistake doesn't mean anything has gone wrong or having a bad day or not getting, you know, someone not hiring me, it doesn't mean anything about me. It just means like, oh, okay, I need to try something different. You know, it's all just like a big experiment. And like through all that, like maintaining that self-compassion of like I'm learning something new, I'm trying on something new, I'm growing just by by doing this is I think such a such a great perspective to have instead of like I got to get this right or else, you know, insert all of like the fear-based, you know, mindset. That's not helpful and that doesn't actually give us a safe playground to grow. Right. Yeah, and that's I think that's really what we need is that some patience. This patience with the process and, and realizing that <clears throat> failure is a part of growth. Like you don't learn anything by doing it right the first time. And accountability is no different. No. no like, <laughs> yeah, gonna, absolutely. Like you're gonna give your shitty yeah. apologies. Or you nail one, you know, you're going to give an apology that's like, you know, Allie, I'm really sorry that I said that thing, but like, oh my God, like that morning was like so bad. And like, you know, oh my God, I learned this thing from my parents. And like, all of a sudden you're like, wait, you, you just, you apologize, but then you told me about why you just, whatever, called me a jerk or whatever. And it's like, wait, you know, yeah, like right. you're going to get a million happy apologies before you get it right. And you need like, we need to be taught this stuff because so many times our families of origin just they didn't have the skills, and so you can't expect them to teach something they don't know how to do or something their parents yeah, didn't absolutely. know how to do. And yeah, and I love the way that you're that you are talking about like the importance of putting in that effort, right? It's like that shows to me like that action that's happening speaks to me personally more about where that other person is in terms of repairing the harm more than anything. It's not about getting it perfect. It's just about showing that effort. And I think that that comes in part of like the accountability process. Also the apology, like what it makes an apology and like, what is what the parts that go into an apology and like all of it is just the effort that we're putting in. And that really is just such a beautiful thing that we can give ourselves of that patience of the growth and the journey and that we can also give others because it is, it is a process it, expecting anyone to just shift right away or change right away is just absolutely ludicrous. And the thing is, is like, we, 
we cannot expect that from ourselves. We would never expect that of someone else. We cannot expect that of ourselves. And that's just like, yeah, change is slow. And that's okay. It's all okay. Yeah, I love that you said that, that it's like, you know, I think Bell Hooks, right? Like, or I think it's Bell Hooks said, like, love is an, a verb, it's an action, right? And, like, inside of that accountability, mm. you know, like, conflict, like, demonstrating, you know, because we are social creatures. We want to be loved. We want our parents to love us. We want our friends and our siblings. We want to, like, get, like, we need each other. And I think so often... I think that something that we're doing now is re reexamining love and relationship and that love isn't just something it's it's not a it's not just a thought like oh I love you because you're my you're my sister it's like love is an action and how you show up in that relationship, whether it's acts of service or taking accountability or working through conflict or making changes when you do something problematic. That's that's love. Love is a day in and day out exercise versus just like, well, I love you and I don't need to do anything else now. Like hands are clean. <laughs> You're cool. <laughs> don't worry. Or, yeah, like, I love you, therefore I I have no accountability in how I behave. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Again? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I, yeah, I just, I've really enjoyed this conversation. This has been really, really, really fun. As always, I love, I love talking about these concepts with you. Is there anything else you want to add? else you got that you want any any more gems you want to drop on the turning of the bones audience (laughs) well i have one i have one little thing and i think it's really important um before you in your first episode or your first uh part of this you had talked about you know the stages of accountability and the four parts that went into that and it kind of made me think about the importance of like what goes into an apology and so i wanted to share a little bit about that if we have time oh we do we definitely do i would love that because I think apology and forgiveness, you know, like maybe the next episode will be on forgiveness. Now it's like, I I have these episodes and I'm like, holy shit, this is not just one episode. But yeah, Yeah, you're talking about such juicy stuff. (laughs) Totally. Please share. So yeah. What is, absolutely. So there's, there's a few parts to this. And I think the first part is the words, right? I'm sorry. The, you know, I apologize is such a, and the first part of it. The second part, naming the hurt. Mm. That shows that you have put in reflection and you've thought about what, what you have done and how it hurt the other person. The next part is naming the impact. Okay. So again, taking that self-reflection a little bit deeper of, you know, I am sorry, naming what that, uh, how that, what hurt for that other person and how it hurts them. Mm, the so I think part the distinction is, is the distinction mm, there. Mm-hmm. I, is the distinction there like you did blank to me and I felt scared. The impact of that was that I am now afraid that let's say it's like 
the next time I tell you how I'm feeling, like I, I feel afraid to speak now. Is that what you mean by like hurt versus impact, like an emotion versus like how that affected my life? Is that what you mean there? I'm going to give an example that comes to me, right? So like, um, yes, say like someone, there's this very this situation where someone, you know, like you have a date planned and you have a, a plan that you're going to be, you know, at, you're going to meet at five o'clock. And then you're going to meet friends and you're going to go to this party at like uh, six o'clock. And the, the plan doesn't happen because the person is like two hours late. Right. So like for me, <laughs> sticking to a plan, especially when it comes to like a time center thing is really important to me. And so like, I've actually had these types of conversations with people when like where the, the hurt was like, they didn't show up. The impact was loss of trust. Okay. Does that make sense? That absolutely makes sense. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, like, to kind of go along with this, like, example of, like, I'm sorry I was late. The hurt was, like, I didn't show up when I said I was going to. The impact I see that I broke trust. I see that you might be afraid to trust me again or might not want to make plans. And um, the next part is to, um, of course, I can't read my handwriting here. Oh, take responsibility. And so taking responsibility and naming the actions. And I think that this is a really important part of like this apology process of naming the action and, and the, again, like sort of the, impact that that had on like potentially the relationship and i think that taking responsibility is such an important part mm. um and then the last part is committing committing to not doing the hurt again and i think that this can be sort of a scary thing but i think really what that means to me is like committing to just do better again i hate like words of uh i promise not to ever do this thing again i think then we're setting people up for failure but i think you know what that comes into is like are you willing to, to put effort into knowing how important, you know, being on time is? Or are you willing to commit to, you know, being more thoughtful? And, again, like, this is all about practice and doing our best and also having a little bit of grace for one another throughout this whole process. <laughs> oh, my gosh, absolutely. Like, just I think accountability and prayer go hand in hand. Um, <laughs> praying for some grace. <clears throat> and I, yeah, I think just the rebuilding of trust, whether it's your specific example that was trust specific, right? Like now I don't trust that you're going to do what you say you're going to do. But the whole mm -hmm. process, once a harm has been done and the repair is really trust work and trust is like, such an integral part of being in relationship with one another, you know, like I trust that my neighbors aren't going to break in and steal my food when I'm gone. I trust I have these social agreements amongst people and they get by degree more intimate, the closer you are to me. And so if you, you've caused harm, then trust needs to be rebuilt. And that's, you know, incremental, it's by degree. It's like, you know, okay, yeah, like you showed up five times in a row after you were two hours late and broke some trust. I I, I, can, I think I can trust that you're going to show up on Tuesday when we go out to coffee or whatever. 
<laughs> right. I love that, right? And, like, I think that trust of, like, depending on the context of it and how it does build over time and that it is, it, again, this is all about, like, foundations and building and that process of that. And, you know, it just reminds me, like, the Gottman Institute. Um, I'm not, are you familiar with Gottman? No, please, please share. Oh, it's just this amazing relationship. Um, you know, there's like this whole, it's the Gottman Institute and feel free, like you can link this in the, in the show notes or however you want, but they talk a lot about how like for, it's five, five positives to one negative. And like, I think that this always, um, um, sticks out to me and I want to make sure that I'm, I'm sharing this the right way, but it takes, I'm sorry, it's the other way around. It takes five positives to make up for one negative thing that happened. And so, like, when we right. talk about trust, like, it takes – one thing can happen, and it takes five positive experiences to make up for that one thing. And I think, like, when it comes to trust, like, it can be a lot more than that. And so, like, again, like, this is just this, this process of, of showing up and showing up and continuing to show up and evolving in that process and willing to be human with one another. And yes, that's vulnerable, but like it's such a, such a beautiful thing because we are, we are social creatures. We do need one another and we do need to know how to interact and to grow with one another and support one another throughout this process. Absolutely. So well said. I, I, I'm so happy that we have a concrete example of an apology to, to wrap this up. That was really well said. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on Training of the Bones. Oh, you're so welcome. And if people want to find you, if you want to do a little plug, if they want to enlist your services after hearing what a great listener you are, I mean, Allie, I just <laughs> absolutely what a good listener you are, like, and how well you track conversations and tie things together. You're really just, it's a gift. And I know it's, it's a skill that has taken practice. And so just hats off to you and your journey of getting there because being an active listener is such a huge part of being in relationship with people. And I just appreciate it so much. And I hope the, the people listening, Scott, just got some good listening model for them. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much, Colby. It's always it's always such a pleasure to to talk with you, to be in relationship with you, and yeah, it's been such our friendship has just been so special to me, and I just appreciate you so much. Um, but yes, if people want to find out more about me, um, I have a website, AllieRyanCoaching.com. dot com. Uh, also on Instagram, Allie, A-L-I underscore Ryan underscore coaching. And yeah. Wonderful. Well, yes, go. If, if you want a safe person to uh, help you navigate these waters, check out Allie's stuff. Thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. As always, just a, another great conversation. Thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thanks, you too. I'll talk soon. Take care. Okay, bye. Bye-bye.